Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and a trainer at the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And I'm thrilled today to welcome Grace Casper to the show. Grace Casper became the child of divorce at age eight. And by 10, she had already written her first manuscript draft for her book, Dear Parents, Notes from a Child of Divorce. Ever since then, she's wanted to help families through the process of divorce, and she now runs Divorce Tips from Kids. This includes posting on social media, sending out emails to parents, and hosting her podcast, Divorce, What I Wish My Parents Knew, the first podcast created from the child's perspective. When Grace isn't creating content about divorce, she works as a full-time elementary school librarian. Welcome, Grace Casper. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. I'm thrilled to be here. And, you know, it's really kind of an interesting thing because a few years ago, I had this idea of asking children of divorce, adult children of divorce, if they could go back in time and tell their parents one thing that would make their the, the children's divorce or the child's divorce experience so much better, what would it be? And and I got a lot of different kinds of answers, but a lot of it was about being more focused and trying to protect the kids, you know, from being involved in the divorce. So, you know, I don't know if that was your experience and and I'm curious what, what your answer to that question would be. I guess you've created a whole career (laughs) on answering that question, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I love that you thought of that because that was kind of my idea behind my podcast. My book is my story and what I think that parents should know, but every divorce is different, which is why I created the podcast so that I could host other children of divorce who are adults now who can explain what they went through and how different each divorce story can be. However, I've seen very similar threads throughout my podcast, which are included in my book. And a lot of them have to deal with parentification, alienation, and feeling like they're a messenger between both parents. So I definitely think the theme that you were mentioning of being, you know, not involved in the divorce is is kind of maybe the best way to say it because kids just want to be kids. No one asks to grow up quicker than their peers. No one asks to be a mediator between their two adult parents who have fully formed brains. And so it's definitely tricky to be a child of divorce if your parents are doing those things to you. So, yeah. So what is your answer? If you, I mean, in your book, when you go back and say to your parents, hey, this is what you could have done different. What would you, what, how would you, if I asked you that question, what would you have answered at the time? That's a great question. I think it would be a long-winded answer that I would not, I would take more than 23 minutes to answer. But to sum it up, I would say, remember, I would say to my parents, remember that me and Jack, my little brother and I, were just kids. 
even though we act mature, even though we listen to you, that doesn't mean that we want to solve your problems or we want to be the source of your happiness. Jack and I felt like we really had to be our parents' source of happiness and make sure that when we're going to dads, that dad feels happy and loved. And then when we go to moms, make sure that mom feels seen and loved and the love has to be split equally. And if there's any signs of favoritism, then that would not be good. And so I would just say, to my parents to take the pressure off of the kids and even explicitly say to them, you know, you're not responsible for mommy's happiness or you're not responsible for daddy's happiness. You know that, right? Like your, your only job is to be a kid and to worry about your homework or, you know, to have fun with your friends. It's not to worry about if mom's okay post-divorce or if dad's okay post-divorce. You know, Grace, those are really poignant words, I I think, because I think so often kids are sort of a commodity, right? Right. Like that they're sort of in the middle and then, and without thinking about the impact on them and and how it then makes the child or the, or the kids feel like they have to be so careful with their words, with their time. Is it fair, you know, that, you know, mommy gets Christmas this year and, you know, is dad going to be okay? Or the other way around, you know, on Thanksgiving or, you know, anything like that. And, and, you know, every adult wishes that their parents did something different, divorced or not, right? Like said, so we all have something, you know, we weren't thrilled about in terms of how our parents raised us. But the divorce has become such a like a monster event in people's lives that it's really hard not to have a lot of feelings about how that went or could have gone differently. Yeah, and I like to tell people that my parents never intentionally made my brother and I feel responsible for their emotions. It was just something that I think kids of divorce easily pick up on because it's side comments that they would make where they they really didn't mean to put pressure on my brother and I to take care of them emotionally. But it was just like, you know, oh, it's hard for me when you go to dad's house. Like I get lonely sometimes. You don't need to tell your child that. You can tell your sister that or your friend that or your counselor that, but your child doesn't need to know those things. And so I hear a lot from my guests on my podcast that when their parents would volunteer information about how they're doing with the divorce or why they got divorced without the child really asking for that information, it was really hard for that child to hear that and then think to themselves like, okay, what do I do with this? You know, do I bring it to dad? Do I bring it to mom? I don't think so. So I'm just going to stuff it down and I'm going to hold it and I'm going to take care of it and I'm going to make sure everyone's okay. (laughs) I find that a lot of children of divorce see themselves as these like peacekeepers, like, okay, I just got to make sure everyone's okay. And it usually kind of lands on the older child as well. They make sure like little siblings are okay. But I agree with you. I mean, it's not just divorce. I see parents that are still together who I have friends whose parents are still together and they feel even the same things of maintaining their parents' happiness. And so I think just drawing safe emotional boundaries with your children are super important to maintain that child parent relationship so that there's not resentment later down the road. But again, parents, like, I don't want to preach to you here because I've never been a parent myself. So I can't imagine what that would be like. But I think just, you know, getting with your community and asking for accountability and saying, am I doing these things to my kid? Or you can even say to your kid directly, do you feel responsible for my happiness? And if they say yes, then 
like apologize to them. And it's okay to apologize as a parent. There were times where my mom apologized to me and that was so refreshing for me to hear like, oh wait, yeah, you're human. You're not like as a kid, you idolize your parents. You think they have it all figured out. And then when that's dismantled and you realize like, wow, you're just a human. You didn't know what this would be like. You didn't know how to go through this, you know, perfectly, you're going to mess up. And so I think just acknowledging as parents, you're going to mess up, but that's okay. It's how you respond to messing up. That's really going to form your child. And in fact, if you didn't mess up, then you'd be teaching your children that they were inadequate because we all mess up, right? And so totally. Like, how do we deal with messing up, realizing we've messed up? Apology, right? As you're talking about the power of apology, and, and especially when it's really felt, like, really comes from the heart and, and saying, you know what, I'm really, if this hurt you, you know, I'm sorry I hurt you. And I, and I really will try not to do that in the future. You know, tell me what that was like so I can know what it, what it was that we, and, and do better going forward. So. I want to remind people that I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WBLX 1460 AM every other Wednesday in Westchester County, New York. But we're also available wherever you listen to podcasts, and maybe you're listening on a podcast right now. I'm talking to Grace Casper, and she's the author of Dear Parents, Notes from a Child of Divorce, and also a podcast host on that same subject of helping parents understand the child's perspective, you know, at least from the adult perspective that you have now. So, Grace, what time, when was it during your parents' divorce that you decided to write a book, and why did you think that would be a good idea? Yeah, I love this question. Yeah, so my parents got divorced when I was eight years old, and I actually started counseling in fifth grade due to other reasons, but through the counseling The counselor was smart and realized that a lot of the deep anxiety I was feeling was actually around my parents' divorce. So it wasn't around the initial reasons why I went into counseling, but it was actually things that I had seen while my parents were still together. And then the pressure I was feeling going from house to house and feeling like I was managing everyone in my household. So she introduced me to the power of journaling and just releasing all of my thoughts and my emotions on paper and seeing them visually for me. So I did that and really fell in love with journaling. And then one day I was still in fifth grade. I went out to recess and I brought my composition notebook and I wrote down just 10 bullet points for my little brother and I, and it was tips from going from house to house. And I brought it home with me and showed my mom. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And she started crying. And I was like very confused and thought like, it's not that big of a deal. But then we brought it to my counselor and she was an author at the time and said, "What, like, Grace, this could be a book one day. And I was like, what? I'm, in, I'm 10 years old. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, fast forward, I'm in college and I really felt like you know what, I'm going to pick up what I started 10 years ago and really finish this book. So through a lot of trial and error and meeting with my literary agent, we decided the people I want to talk to are not the kids, but I actually want to talk to the parents because parents set the tone for the household and they're the ones guiding the kids through this process. So I revisited the book as a 22, 23, 24-year-old me and wrote to the parents based off of my childhood, 10 tips written to the kids. So the book is laid out in 16 chapters written to the parents, which is why it's called Dear Parents. But at the back of the book in the appendix, I do still have the original 10 tips I wrote to my brother in my 10 year old voice. So that was really fun for me 
to just preserve that. I even have like a little picture of me in fifth grade to give that reader the visual of what it was like. But yeah, it's it's been a really wonderful journey to write it all out. What were some of the original tips? Were they like, you know, don't forget to pack your socks or, you know, more emotional? (laughs) That's funny. They were definitely more emotional, but also some of them are really funny to read now. I'm like, ugh, like I almost wanted to delete it, you know, but but it was good to preserve that. Like one of the funny ones was called Don't Doubt the Love. And it's like, I think it's like one sentence. It's like, I bet you 20 bucks right now that your parents still love you despite divorce. And then I write in parentheses like, 20 bucks is a lot of money. And <laughs> like, I wanted to remind my brother that, hey, mom and dad still love us, even though this happened. And then I even have silly ones like plan your own fun where my dad didn't have a lot of fun things at his house because he started new. He had to start completely new. So all of our fun games and stuff were at mom's. So Jack and I learned to build backpacks of fun when we go to dad's that was beyond just our normal packing supplies. So we put like beef jerky in there and board games and cards and coloring books. So that way we wouldn't have to complain about why is dad not having this at his house, but rather we could bring our own fun to dad's. So that was a fun tip in there as well. Well, that's really an interesting one, Grace, because it's very resourceful of you and together with Jack of coming up with ways to not just bitch and complain about how boring it is at dad's house, right? Which a lot of kids would just do. Like, I don't want to go to dad's house because it's boring. And so I can see how that there would be a segue in that for parents, you know, which I can imagine is make sure it's interesting in both people's both parents' homes, but maybe I'm wrong. Yes. Oh, yes. My dad knows this now and he would, he would say he's sorry, but we would go over to his house and he went on business trips a lot. And literally the only thing in his pantry would be cashews, pistachios and wine. And so Jack and I were like, ah, and we went out to dinner a lot and we would go out for every meal with my dad. But Jack and I at home, like we're used to, with my mom, we're used to snacking all the time. So we would want to like, you know, eat fruit snacks or like be a kid. And what my counselor taught me, I attest this to counseling, not like, because we did bitch about it as kids, but then I'd bring it to my counselor and she was like, well, Grace, your dad doesn't understand that that's what you need. Because my dad, he's a little different, so he doesn't quite understand what kids need. And she said, you can provide that for yourself. Like you don't need to wait on him to catch up with what you need. You can actually just bring it to his house. So we would bring, you know, fruit snacks, granola bars, like our snacky things. And sometimes we'd eat it in our room so that dad didn't know because he would get upset that we were spoiling our meal. But, you know, there was a lot of tiptoeing sometimes at dad's, but that's kind of what you do to get through it. There's a lot of content in what you're saying, and I have some other questions about it, but I'm really struck, Grace, by your, the sort of love in your voice when you talk about it, you know, rather than, it doesn't sound like you're like, wow, that was really tough, and if he'd only been thinking about us, you know, that kind of like, there's no edge, and maybe you feel an edge, but it really doesn't come across, and there's a sort of acceptance, and I wonder if, and I'm curious your view of this, if your ability to write about it and express yourself starting at such a young age really helps you process a lot of those things. And it also sounds like you had a terrific counselor. She should write a book too. (laughs) She's awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, I love that you said that because it's actually something I've been working through, especially speaking about him publicly and my mom too. It's weird when you speak about two people that are their own people and I don't ever want to defame their name or make them feel bad for what they did because they're just human. But as a kid, oh my gosh, I mean, I had a lot of rudeness in my tone and I would get so angry and I would cry. And I, I mean, I had fits about the way that my dad would treat us or the way that my mom would treat us. I definitely experienced those things. But I think my resolution now comes from my freshman year in college when I had this experience where I actually learned to forgive my dad. And that was really powerful for me because I never thought that holding on to bitterness was actually affecting me. I thought it gave me the power. And once I released that, it wasn't that I was releasing him from what he had done, but it was just releasing myself from the bitterness and resentment. And I just felt lighter. And I had no idea I was holding on to all of this baggage until I let it go. And I was like, wait, is this what it feels like to just let it go and like actually not hold on to this and think that that gives me the power? Because it didn't give me the power. It was actually hurting me. So after I forgave him, it actually enabled me to revisit my book. So I actually didn't revisit my book as an adult until after I forgave my dad. I think that was really crucial to writing it in a way that honored him and honored my mother as well. So one of my favorite expressions is that holding on to resentment is like swallowing rat poison and hoping that the rat will die. You know, I think that what you're talking about is a real example of that and how freeing it was and how freeing of your creative spirit it was to let go of that bitterness, to use your words. Absolutely. Yeah. So how else did you manage to make some of the tips in the book that you started as a child into actual tips for parents? Yeah. So one of the things that my agent wanted me to do was to really think about what parents would need. So I wrote the tips based on based on the 10 tips I wrote as a kid, but then I also expanded upon it looking back as adult me and realizing, wow, like I was actually parentified and wow, I actually didn't like that. You know, I met so many girlfriends of my dad and I wrote about dating in my book. And so that was really helpful to revisit as an adult and get that mix in there. But also my agent was like, you need to ask parents what they think of this. So I gave my draft to a ton of parents who were divorced and asked them like, what is, what does this mean to you? Is this helpful? Like what? And a lot of them said, I love how you get straight to the point and that there's practicals and that there's like a takeaway from each chapter. However, I would love to apply it to my own life because this is your story. So what I did with their feedback was I actually added three questions for them to dive deeper into their own story after each chapter that allowed them to reflect and really think about like, okay, how does this chapter affect me? How am I going to apply it to my life? Does it affect me? Is this something that I actually shouldn't think about right now? Because even the one about dating, I mean, it might, a parent might be reading this fresh off of divorce. It might be thinking dating. I haven't even thought about dating yet. Well then, you know, skip that chapter, come back to it later. You're not ready for that one yet. And, and then it'll be waiting for you when you're ready. So I loved that I was able to give my audience something that they could use to apply it to their own situation. Yeah, that's really great. 
I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues here on WVOX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30 and also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And Grace Casper, the author of Dear Parents, Notes from a Child of Divorce and podcast host of your own, how can people learn more about your book or hear your podcast or more about you if they're interested? Yeah. So you can find me everywhere at Divorce Tips from Kids. I have a website, divorcetipsfromkids.com. My podcast is called Divorce, What I Wish My Parents Knew. And my book is titled Dear Parents, Notes from a Child of Divorce, which can be found on my website, can be found on Amazon, and can also be found at Barnes & Noble. And so I have it on paperback, I have an ebook version. I also have an audiobook version if you don't like reading and you'd rather listen to it. So, yeah. Great. So, you know, I'm a divorce lawyer and I'm actually not the child of divorce, but I am a divorced parent, although my children are adults now, my children from my first marriage. And I, I think that I use a lot of my own personal experience, things I did right and things I didn't do right, you know, in my, professional life, but I think that the opportunity to learn from your book and from your experience. And so in your view, how can a divorce lawyer, divorce coach or therapist utilize your material to better help their, their clients? Yeah, I've actually been talking to a lot of divorce lawyer chapters within the nation over Zoom calls, and they've really found to love this resource because it gives them insight into what the child is going through. So if you're a divorce, a divorce lawyer and you're representing this adult who has children at home who are worried about what's happening, you can actually attend to your client better with this book by saying, hey, I've read through this book. I have a better understanding of what it's like for the child to go through the process of divorce. And I want to make sure as serving you as a lawyer, I can serve you and your kids. And so I think it just gives them a better insight into who they're serving because you're not just serving the parents here. Your decisions with that parent affects the kid. So you need to know how your decisions and counseling people of divorce or coaching people of divorce or advocating for them as a lawyer can actually affect the kids. And so that's where I would say this book comes in handy is, yeah, you may not be able to answer the questions at the end of each chapter. However, you would get into the back curtain and understand like, wow, this is really what children are going through and have more empathy towards who you're serving. Yeah, I think that's really great. And just to sort of, at the beginning of the show, we were talking a little bit about the commoditization of children, right? And, and it happens a lot in the divorce negotiation where someone will say, I'm going to be a 50-50 parent. I am going to be a 50-50 parent. Like, and, and to be like, well, you know, what does that actually mean? Right. Like, does it mean, are we counting minutes and hours? Are we counting overnights? Are we counting engagement in the children's lives? And I mean, what 50 50 of what? And I think when I ask my clients that, they, you know, they have to sort of take a step back, but I don't want it doesn't, it shouldn't be like, you know, we're just sort of divvying up coins here because those coins have feelings and it, it's not about you looking good or looking bad as a parent alone. It's also about what those your children are experiencing. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that. Yeah. Oh, I love that you said that. It's so true. Like I think in conversations that I hear around family court, it's like they're using their kids as these little pawns and they forget like 
hold on, these are humans with feelings and opinions and, you know, feelings towards each parent. And why aren't we including them into what's going on here? And I understand there's boundaries of, you know, there might be seven years old. You should not bring them into court and ask them, what do you want? But I think understanding that they are more than just these commodities to be moved around or, okay, I get the house, I get this amount of money. And then who gets this kid or who gets this kid for this amount of time? It's like, no, no, no. They're not something like money or a house. They're actually a full formed human who has feelings. And I think we need to recognize that and take that into account when we're deciding these things. A full formed human that you ostensibly love, right? Like it's not just any old human. (laughs) These are people that you brought into the world that you value perhaps more than anybody else in the world. And it's so easy still to stop thinking about the people as the children as people and and what they they need at their developmental age and start thinking them about, well, I'm not going to be done to, I'm not going to be robbed of, I'm not going to lose. Right. And, and it's that, that, and you know what it is, the most painful thing about divorce from in my own personal experience is that loss of being with your kids all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and having to share that time that is really painful and it is really difficult. And, but there's some opportunity there too, right? Cause you have Absolutely. an opportunity to do things you might not be able to do if you weren't sharing their time. And, and so it's just different than what you expected. Yes, absolutely. That's so good, Catherine. So in the last minute or so that we have, if we have some apparent, you know, of getting divorced or thinking about divorce, what is a tip or two that you have for them to really keep their children in the forefront of their thinking and their planning and their negotiating? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think I'm a huge visual person. So I think a visual reminder like keeping a picture of your kids, you know, in your car on the dashboard or on on your mirror when you're getting ready and just reminding yourself like, wow, my decisions affects them and they are not deciding any of this. This is all happening to them. I need to consider their faces and who they are to me and remember that they are 50% of the parent that I'm divorcing. And so just remember that they don't get to decide any of this. This is all happening to them. But you can make it easier by considering them, considering their feelings, and giving them as much consent as possible. And in terms of what do you think about staying together for the kids? I'm giving you 10 seconds to answer that question. I'm just going to say don't do it. That's my quick answer. You can find out more on my podcast, but it can confuse the kids if you divorce at 18 and they wonder what happens there. Thank you so much, Grace Casper, for being my guest on Divorce Dialogues. Thank you for having me.